Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, this is Michelle and Serena. And this is From, from the Root, a discussion based podcast that explores holistic wellness through our lived experiences as Black queer people. first half of this series ended up getting cut off due to technical issues. It just stopped recording. So unfortunately, we weren't able to finish our conversation on eating disorders. But to wrap it up, I do believe we were talking about eating disorders within the healthcare community. There are a lot of people who tend to fall under different forms of eating disorders. Like we all know of anorexia and bulimia, but there is also something called orthorexia where people take their diets very strictly um, and they don't move away from it out of fear of their health or fear of gaining weight. That's something that also needs to be addressed within the healthcare system because that's clearly not healthy too. You gotta be able to live a little and breathe a bit. So hopefully in the future we can come back to that conversation. But we're going on to part two where we discuss boundaries as children and adults. And our bodies outside of sexual perception. And then we're going to end off with a few questions. So boundaries. I feel like boundaries has been a big buzzword for the last few years, or at least maybe that's just because of the pages that I follow on Instagram. So Michelle, how do you establish boundaries? Two conversations. I'm somebody who takes forever to address <laughs> conflict. Like I just have to process it and process it and process it until I can find the easiest way of addressing it that will hopefully not hurt anybody's feelings. But when I get to it, I'm just kind of like, <laughs> like I want to make sure I'm not saying it out of anger. Yeah. But when I do finally get to it, I'm just discussing like, hey, you know, I love you and you know I love our relationship and I try to like add on the things I appreciate but also like I would like to establish a boundary with you because you know this makes me feel this way and continue so when it comes to establishing boundaries with my body I've definitely had to have conversations with white peers where I had to tell them like oh don't touch my hair like can I you just can't touch my hair and when it comes to men I don't really care about their feelings I just am very strict on my boundaries to be honest because I don't really respect the fact that a lot of men don't seem to understand that and that's in a lot of different ways like that's like we're dancing at a club and a man gets behind me and starts grinding I immediately stop Mm -hmm. dancing I immediately stop dancing. I stand up. I turn around and I stare. Real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I stare immediately at them until they move away. (laughs) Right? Make them feel as uncomfortable as they made you feel. Yes. If a man touches me on the street, which has happened before, where a man like grabbed my arm while I was walking Mm -hmm. on the sidewalk, I literally scream, Get the fuck off of me. Like, you know, I'm not. Yeah, playing with my boundaries when it comes to men at all. I'm very clear about them. Um, and I also try to make space for myself. So like, let's say you're in a heated conversation and 
they're getting too close, especially if you're around people, you know, you just make sure that, you know, you're like, hey, why are you closing in on me? You try to make sure that, like, you're letting them know, like, you're you're approaching my boundary. You're encroaching mm-hmm. on my boundary. I need you to just back up. Because that does tend to happen a lot where men will trap you into corners. And sometimes they're not even aware that it's happening. But you are, and you need to be very clear about that as much as you can be. And don't worry about their feelings because their feelings don't matter more than your comfort. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. I agree. And I like what you said about processing because I'm definitely a processor too. And I kind of feel like, I don't know if you ever had AOL. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that little thing that's like slowly loading, like that's me trying to process something. (laughs) And like, I know that's annoyed like a lot of partners I've had because they want to talk about something really immediately. And I'm like, I'm still processing. (laughs) get back to me in five to 10 business days. But yeah, I agree. I feel like, especially over the last couple of years, my boundaries with cis men have become so much firmer and clearer. Um, Just like, and we've talked about it. I think we've talked about it on the podcast about how I used to give a lot of space, just like being nice, not related to anything physical, but just in, holding space for when they want to talk to me and Mm, take up my mm. time and energy. And like, I just do that like way less. Um, I think now I like really limit it to a minimum in terms of like gauging my level of safety in a situation when I'm like, okay, I need to flip on some niceties in order to potentially survive the situation versus like, nah, back the fuck up. I don't want to talk to you. Bye like indebting it really fast. And I think as people who are assigned female at birth, as children and adults, that's something like we are ingrained with having to learn to navigate. And I don't know if I I told you about this, but I was walking home from my friend's place at 11 o'clock the other night and I was walking to the train. I used to live in this neighborhood. So I felt comfortable enough of knowing like, I know what the neighborhood's like. I know where I need to go. I know like the well-lit areas. And as I'm approaching across the street, and this was after um, um, a man at a car, this man is yelling at me, hey, beautiful. And I'm just like, ignore, ignore, ignore. And the next thing I hear is mama, mama. And this dude starts running at me. It is 11 o'clock at night, my guy. Do not run at me. And I just whipped around. I thought, I don't want to talk to you. Bye. And he stopped dead in his tracks. And I'm like, you just have absolutely no concept of how you are impacting me right now the fear you are eliciting in me when you're running at me I don't do that especially in Brooklyn I feel like during the pandemic we've had a lot of crazy ass cis men running around randomly hitting women or randomly yeah it was like a a series of um times I feel like where there were um cis men who are just like straight out decking like in some cases, it was like there was some kind of interaction before, but in other cases, um, I think it was somewhere in Bushwick, not near me, but like off of maybe uh, DeKalb or like Montrose or something. Um, some guy repeatedly would just like walk up and like snuff a woman and just walk off. What? The- and okay. yeah. And then some other guy, and you think this was up in Harlem or something, was stabbing women. So it's just like crazy shit like that, that I'm just like, nah, I don't know you. (laughs) Boundaries, (laughs) back up. 
Yes. And they're certainly important in those instances, which is why I really don't care about their feelings because a lot of the times it means like potentially risking your safety. And I feel like engaging with men in those situations tends to make things worse. Being able to like, you know, create the space or become, you know, more aggressive is really the only way to get out of those situations. Unfortunately, like when working with boundaries, it's important to reaffirm them in cases where somebody like breaks them. And I think it's like important to have like an understanding of did this person not know, not really intend versus a repeated pattern of um, boundaries being broken. And I think it's important to enforce some kind of consequence in that situation where somebody's repeatedly breaking your boundaries the same boundary you've addressed it multiple times they know they understand and it's a case where they chances are not respecting you and whatever that look like if it's just like we need some time apart versus like I don't want to be with you I don't want to be your friend I don't want to be like whatever it is but it's important for there to be some kind of response when a boundary is broken otherwise it just seems like you're allowing somebody to repeatedly breaking break your boundary, but there's no consequence. Nothing's going to happen. And then that once that person knows that, they don't really have an incentive to like hold that boundary. Yeah, that's the problem with bound. Well, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting because um, we've talked about the difference between boundaries versus conditions, and one of the things about boundaries is is that it involves two people who have a mutual understanding of love or loving kindness towards each other versus a condition where it's not there. So a boundary would be me trying to create something in place so that we can both love each other simultaneously as um, Prentice Hill uh, stated. But at the same time, when you keep crossing that boundary, then it's no longer a boundary. You're telling me that you do not care about me or you don't have that same mutual respect or loving kindness towards me that allows us to like create a loving relationship with each other that is healthy. Once that disrespect is there, it's important to address it because then it becomes a thing of like, are you allowing yourself to be disrespected? in order to like maintain this relationship. And that's not fair. The thing that sucks about boundaries is it does involve conflict, but that conflict is necessary in order to grow. And on top of it, you really get to know somebody through a conflict. So being able to state Mm -hmm. a boundary and somebody being able to respect it is is a huge show of this person caring for you and respecting you. That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good segue into the next portion, knowing when to know red flags. Um, and I guess I feel like answer in any way that feels good for you, but I was thinking in particular about early red flags, because I feel like it's easier to see later on when somebody's repeatedly broken it and you've had like now discussions about it multiple times versus early on, what are things that happen in relationships where it's like either small boundaries or it's like this person did that, which might indicate that they're going to break a boundary. They're going to violate a boundary later. Mm. As a kid, I know that when it came to me, like my dad was very big on like, don't hug your your uncles or, or any male relatives like too tight. Don't, 
get too close to them. Don't kiss them too much. Like don't be too affectionate. And one of the things that allowed me to do was create a distance between myself and men, even from a really young age. And that helped me to follow my intuition a lot better. So I was able to be like, oh, like this is an uncle I feel comfortable or safe around versus like this one, like I would like to pull back from. Like I don't Mm -hmm. feel as comfortable doing like, you know, being around him or being too close to him. I mean, thankfully I didn't really have too many of those experiences, but I do know like one family member where I was like, I I don't like these hugs. Um, (laughs) So I always made sure to like keep up some form of distance and that was a red flag to me. Another thing is, is like, I guess like how people choose to talk when it comes to relationships. I've been watching a lot of TikToks lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there's a lot of TikToks where people are just like, assume that if you are romantically or sexually involved with somebody that you have access to their body at all times. Like it's okay for you mm. to put your hands on them. And mm-hmm. there was one I saw where it was like, this guy was pretending to spank this girl's butt. And she was like, oh, stop it. And he was like, but that ass is mine, right? And she was like, yes, daddy. And he was like, so then I could touch it whenever I want. And I was like, what is wrong with the heterosexuals? <laughs> said, blink two times if you're not okay, sis. Like, like, what are y'all doing over there? Where is the consent? Like, why can't you? Like, hmm. it's understandable that if you're in a relationship with somebody that, like, yes, you know, it's okay to show affection towards them. But if the whole idea of, like, just randomly grabbing on somebody or like it's clear that they're uncomfortable and you're still not doing it like I just don't really understand that like that's a huge red flag to me um yeah for sure yeah I don't like things like that or like a space are you able to to recognize nonverbal cues I think that's a really mm-hmm. big uh first like initial red flag like if you're so close to me and like, I'm trying to take a step back or like, it's kind of clear that I'm a little uncomfortable and you're not making an effort to make sure I'm comfortable in that space. That's a red flag. If you're not checking in to make sure that I'm good, but you're asking more invasive questions, that's also a red flag to me. I think that we should be able to respect each other and ask the questions that are necessary versus asking incredibly intense questions without any consideration of if I would feel comfortable answering that question. Are you giving me space to be able to say no to you and things like that? Yeah. I think all of those are really, really important. Some of the red flags that I would say have come up for me is like getting into what you said about like, how people touch your body. Like when I'm first meeting somebody and getting to know them, I really like when people ask consent, which is such an interesting flip for me because I used to be like, oh no, just kiss me. And like, as I've like just transformed um, mentally, emotionally, gender, sexuality, I'm like, no, I think it's really sexy when somebody's like, can I kiss you? Can I touch you here? How do you want me to touch you? Like, all of these questions, um, even before we get to sex, because that lets me know early on that they care about that. And like I had, and I think we talked recently an experience where somebody like did not ask consent, violated my consent um, in a small way, but it was early. I'm like, this is the second date. So we're not even about to get to date number three. Um, So there's that. And people that respect my time alone and with others, it's a big red flag for me if people like 
want to consume all of my time and energy because that in and of itself is a, a violation of my boundaries because like if you know me I make it pretty pretty known up front like I like my time alone my relationships with my friends other people in my life are really important to me and I like to give to them and cultivate them so when people are partners in particular but this has also happened with friends who don't respect my like time to be with others or alone time um, that's the red flag and then um, people not showing up for me when they have been present when somebody else has violated a boundary and this happened to me with a couple friends and so it was not them doing anything but them being present when something occurred and not saying anything not acknowledging it um in one case it was almost like the person expected me to oh why didn't you just give that cis man time and energy it was a cis man who stopped me on the street after i just had gotten my hair done and he was like oh um you know can i talk to you and i was like you know i'm on my, we're on my way like i'm on my way to go somewhere so if you want to talk you better walk with me like i got <laughs> places to go and he said something slick to me and then the person I was with did not address it, didn't say like, are you good? Like that was kind of fucked up, just made it seem like I should talk to him. And then on another occasion, something um, similar happened where it was like um, somebody said something about me. And in that case, I didn't even feel safe to say anything to that person. And it was like real fucked up. It was somebody trying to talk to me. And um, he was like, oh, she can't hear you because she can't speak English anyway. And so I was like, I was in a place where I was like, I don't really feel safe with these two cis men. Um, I don't know this corner that well. So I didn't say anything. And then the person I was with didn't say anything, didn't be like, are you okay? So, and, and I know it because later the violation of um, boundaries happened in ways that was more easier for me to see. And like when those occasions occurred, I was like, that didn't feel too good. You know, and I never said anything about it, but those were like tiny early indicators that like this person's not really good on boundaries and there's a potential for them to um, mess with your boundaries later in bigger ways. Yes. I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, that brings mm -hmm. up um, an idea. I remember I went on a date with someone and it was like after a very long week of me just running around with med school, just getting things done. and. I went on this date that I was just kind of trying out. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't very invested in it, but it was nice. And she paid for the meal and we went our separate ways. And the next day I was like, Hey, like, I'm just having an introverted day. Meaning like, you know, I do not want to talk right now. <laughs> and her response was to then hit me up consistently all day and then for the rest of the days and like it was so overwhelming because every day she was hitting me up or like she had like a friend oh she I guess like she told a friend about me and they checked out my Instagram and then started following me and I was just like this is a lot of energy we went on one date yeah. and I like I already asked you if you could give me some space and it wasn't even about her it was just the fact that I had been so busy that week that I just needed a date alone and mm -hmm. I wasn't even be able to be given that. I guess like she just assumed because mm -hmm. we had this one date and she paid for dinner that she was entitled to my time. And it's mm -hmm. like, maybe I would have spent more time with you after this date. Like if you had respected my boundaries, but you didn't. 
And it took me a really yeah. long time, but eventually I had to block her because she just really wouldn't stop. It was uh, very incessant. Whew. Well, I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. That shit's annoying. Yeah. So that is a good um, idea. Like the whole, um, are you trying to monopolize my time? I think that is a good, mm-hmm. huge red flag of somebody who feels like they're entitled to it. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, I feel like also that can sometimes turn into people also not knowing, what is it called? It's kind of called, I think it's called love bombing. Yeah. Where you do like, a yeah, a mm-hmm. lot in a quick succession at one time. And I feel like, and I, this most often happened with cis men. I've seen it way less in my queer relationships, but cis men are like notorious for love bombing and then ghost (laughs) and like don't give anything and that's really like due to unhealthy attachment styles where they do all of this and they like reel you in and they get your attention then all of a sudden I'm gonna cut it off and then they try to like switch that energy um yeah and that's just so that's it's a red flag in multiple ways oh no that happens in the queer community too people will love (laughs) on the crap out of you okay like I've been told I was perfect over and over again and I remember telling this girl like I do not feel comfortable with you saying that and like all these grand gestures like I have friends who've experienced like significant love bombings where like they'll um they'll basically like create an entire experience where you know they'll take Mm. you on a vacation and like make everything perfect and then they're like I love you and they like pick the perfect time to do all of these things and then in the next second they're doing something incredibly heinous that goes against everything they just did so no love bombing certainly happens within the community especially because of the u-hauling because that's true it's it's very intense up front yeah, I was going to say, I guess, honestly, it's like the love bombing is better in some ways. Because it's just like, <laughs> they will legit be like, oh, bitch, let's go to Miami. And you know, you got that new relationship energy. Like, let's go to Miami for a week. And you come back. And then all of a sudden, they don't call you, don't text you, don't hear from them. <laughs> you know? Um, so that is very true. And I think because the love bombing is so intense that the drop is even worse. Because it's like... yeah. Was about to get married. Exactly. <laughs> like you think you're you found the love of your life, and then before you know it, like something happens that just like drops a whole thing down. So mm. love bombing is definitely a big red flag for me. Like yeah. the older I get, the more attractive that security, stability, and consistency look to me. I'm like, oh, you're stable, baby. (laughs) Let me check out your foundation. (laughs) Like, oh, I text you and you text right back consistently. You let me know when I won't be hearing from you. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, consistency, stability is so nice. Like, I like that. Like, you know, you're creating security. I feel safe. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I agree. I read a post from some polyamory Instagram page a couple months ago, and I I forgot to save it. I don't know if I liked it. I tried to find it and I couldn't. So I'm going to summarize this as best as I can possibly, because I felt like it was relevant to the conversation today about boundaries and just other ways that it can be manipulated or violated. 
so the post was talking about how in um, polyamorous or non-monogamous relationships where the your partner may go out with somebody and you use utilize manipulative tactics in order to cause guilt or shame in the other person in order to push them to do what you want. So maybe you want them to stay home. Maybe you want them to cut their date short, like, oh, don't go and have sex with that person. Or I want to, you know, I'm going to text you the whole night while you're out. Um, Maybe I pout or even cry, like tear up before you go out. Maybe I'm going to give you the cold shoulder before or like after when you get back. Or maybe I'm going to say some kind of manipulative comments. Maybe I'm going to talk about that person be like, oh, they're not that cute anyway. So just a variety of different ways. And I want to say that this can also show up in monogamy, um, again, for like your friends or whoever, that again, that controlling of the amount of time that you spend with other people and wanting to take all of your time. But I thought that was really interesting, interesting and relevant. And I know I've been like guilty of things like this myself. I'm definitely going to call that out. And um, but it's something I've become more and more aware of. Um, especially like navigating, uh, being in an open relationship and it's just, you know, once you know better, you can do better. Yeah. My dad does this. My parents Mm. are in a monogamous relationship, but like my mom will go on, like if she goes on a vacation, like with her friends without him, he won't talk to to her for like a while. (laughs) He just pouts and he's all crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, like, he was fine. Like, I don't know. Like, the last time it happened, like, he had bought her balloons and stuff, like, trying to, like, inc- like you know, be cute about her coming back and, like, show, like, you know, how much he cares. And then I guess, like, she was talking about how great of a time that she had. And I guess to him, it might have equated, like, she did not miss me at all. <laughs> and then decided that he was going to pout and not talk to her, which is not healthy. And, you know, they talked about mm-hmm. it later on. And he was just like, you know, you're my best friend. And he explained to her why he was feeling the way he felt. But he was definitely being a little bit of a baby about that. <laughs> and not reacting the way he should have, like an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've experienced this, too, with polyamory or non-monogamy, where I've... Um, you know, like, my partner will tell me about, like, some sexual experiences or dates they've gone on. And I've been, like, excited to hear about it. And then when it's my turn to, like, tell them about something that I've experienced and I'm all excited telling them, like, I've gotten, like, the cold shoulder where they didn't talk to me for mm-hmm. a few days. And I was like, what's going mm-hmm. on? And then they explain to all me All of a sudden afterwards. they fall back. Yeah. And then I'm just like, what is the problem? I don't really understand. And instead of using their words, they got upset. But eventually, like, one of them definitely apologized and explained to me, like, why they were feeling that way, which made me feel better. Yeah. But I've definitely had instances where it it didn't end up that way and that wasn't cool. So being careful about, like, using manipulative tactics in relationships instead of trying to figure out, like, where these feelings are coming from. Like, don't project them onto other people just because you're upset. You know, it's important for you to be able to, like, use your words and say what you need and communicate. Like, oh, why am I feeling this type of way about, you know, my partner living their life without me, whether it's monogamy or polyamory? And... You got to sit with that. Is it because you don't feel needed? Is it because you don't feel wanted? Like, what is the reason behind it? And then from there, try to address that with your partner so that you can be affirmed in whatever way is going to be helpful for you that doesn't limit your partner and their life. Facts. 
because the reality is pouting and not having a conversation generally never gives you what you're actually looking for. You know, I feel like in order to get what you're looking for, the best way to do that is just to use your your words and communicate with people. Yeah, relationships aren't magical. You don't just learn how to read your mind because you are together. Like, you've got to use your words to communicate. What do you think about our bodies outside of sexual perception? Because a lot of our conversations have centered on... Um, sexual sex sexuality or relationships so shifting from that what what's your perspective on non-sexual perception it's interesting because i feel like over time i'm still i'm still learning um about like non-sexual perceptions of the body um but it's interesting because I think my first experience with that is like i used to work at bally total fitness when i was like 19 And when I was working there, my gym was at like a very Korean, a Korean populated town. So Mm -hmm. like a lot of the American, like people who would be there would get so uncomfortable because I guess Korean, like their, their culture is different and they don't feel like Mm -hmm. nudity equals sexuality. So a lot of the Mm -hmm. women in the locker room would just be naked. Like they would be comfortable in their nudity. They didn't think about like, oh, am I skinny or like, am I hairy Mm -hmm. or whatever? They just kind of did what they did. And a lot of women who were not Korean felt very uncomfortable with it. But it like was the first time that it really clicked in my head. Like, oh, like there is something different here about the way that they perceive themselves versus how we choose to perceive ourselves and how we choose to perceive others. Because they're not sitting over there worried in the locker room like, oh, her boobs are saggy. Or like, you know, mm-hmm. the things that we are so self-conscious about here in America. They were living their lives, enjoying being nude. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. everybody else is uncomfortable because of their comfort. And I think that's something to consider because when you think about it, like how often do you really see naked people most of the Mm -hmm. time that you see naked people it's in the sense of sexuality like you might see like a sex scene on tv or you're sexualizing somebody on tv or you're watching Mm -hmm. porn or you know it's a sexual celebrity like amber rose who's known for being very sexy or kim kardashian who's known for being sexy and what ends up Mm -hmm. happening is is that because of the limits of who they choose to put in these roles it limits like what we know as normal or what mm-hmm. we know as um nudity because if you don't look like amber rose or kim kardashian or you're skinny with perky breasts you feel very unco- like um, self-conscious about your body not recognizing that chances are your body is normal <laughs> facts that's a fact um yeah, I would say one of my um, one of my favorite like non-sexual experiences with nudity has been skinny dipping and streaking, and I I feel like I had so many opportunities for this when I lived in Rochester, the place I grew up. Because um, here, and I complain about this all the time. Anytime I leave the club, and I'm like, I need to piss somewhere. There's always somebody somewhere. There's always people. There's always people in New York. Whatever little corner I want to go to, somebody can see me from that. So I've just had to learn that somebody's gonna see you. And I had a wrong, I had a fucking bodysuit on this weekend. So I'm like, you know what? Y'all Ooh, just gonna get my titties sweet. out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm like, 
hopefully they're not paying me no mind. Um, so in Rochester, there was so much space. There's just much more space to do that. And I felt like I skinny dipped and um, I would go streaking, like really as much as I possibly could. Um, I know one night I did this with my friend um, a decade ago, about to be a decade ago. I was 23 at the time. And we actually ended up getting locked out of my friend's house. Oh, no. Like, you know, it was like back to the, like we would just hang out at my homeboy's house and like have drinks and smoke or whatever. And we didn't realize that when we went out to the pool, took off our clothes, um, he and like everybody else in the house went to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> and the line at Taco Bell at 4 a.m. was always crazy long. So they didn't get back to like 530. It was gone at that point. Fortunately, we had our clothes, but we were still wet outside. <laughs> Wow. I was like, all right, I just need my shit, my keys so I can go the fuck home now. But yeah, I, you know, I feel like I've done it with um, people of like all genders, you know, so it was never and I never felt weird about it. Um, I always had fun with it. Like I've always really loved being nude. Yeah. I never really had that opportunity because I love with my family for a really long time. And mm-hmm. um, the the first like time I ever really felt any liberation outside of like my body being a sexual being was when I went to a nude beach, which was very recently, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Like I wish I happened earlier, but I was too scared to do that earlier. Like I had an opportunity to do skinny dip and I was too afraid. Why were you scared? I don't know. It just felt so like, I guess, like, I, I, you know what? I think it's because of the way that I grew up. Like, I grew up in this very uptight family. Like, my parents are kind of conservative. Um, they're Haitian. Haitians are judgmental. On top of it, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. So, like, the idea yeah. of being that, like, titty out free, it's just not really a thing. So, I felt so it's uncomfortable. stacked against you. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm still trying to find comfort in that and like in my body in that way, which is funny because like all of almost most of my pictures, like even on Instagram, it's mostly of just my face. But um, mm-hmm. I so like I'm, you know, I'm in med school. I am constantly like dealing with a lot of stuff. It's very heavy. So to be able to take care of myself on my breaks is very important. And my friend and I finally went to California and that was my first time there. And we went to Black's Beach in San Diego, which is a nude beach. And there's like a um, gay area of the beach. So we mm-hmm. went over there. And because like it, when they say gay, they usually mean gay men. So like nobody was checking. Yeah. Them, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just, I like took off my clothes and I was like, ah! Like at first I was just like, oh, this doesn't feel like anything. And then after a while, I was like, wait, no, this is cute as fuck. Like I actually really enjoy right? this. <laughs> yeah, I started to feel really like liberated. you were made to be naked. We exactly. came out the world naked, and now I don't really feel comfortable. I don't know if I want to go to closed beaches. Like if I have the option of a nude beach, I'm going because I don't have kids. Like I can do whatever I right? want. Yeah, because it was actually really nice to just be naked and just kind of chill and yeah. just titties out and loving life. Like mm-hmm. you know. And it's also nice that, like, all of you can get a sun tan. And I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, like, if your nipples are exposed to the sun, you get more energy. I don't know how much truth that is. There's that. I've heard that about the vagina, too. (laughs) Listen. 
Yeah. I've only done that like once and that shit felt amazing. The sun belongs on every fucking part of my body. Every part of my body. And that's something I need to get comfortable with. I know you and I have definitely gone to like a half nude beach together before and I was still like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to get comfortable with like just being topless or being naked in front of other people. But um, yeah, not having non-sexual experiences is actually really liberating because it feels nice. And on top yeah. of it, we're not just built for sex. We're not just built for somebody else's pleasure. Mm-hmm. We're built for ourselves. Like our bodies do so many things and to limit it, to limit it by like how sexy we are, yeah. we, we so are perceived <laughs> yeah, by other people is, ridiculous when your body does so much like you know you're able to breathe you're able to move you're able to do so much like there's so much to be grateful for if you don't feel sexy then work on feeling sexier within your body but the idea of not being able to accept yourself based off of sexual perception is it's tough especially because like most of the time like what's sexy one I mean like sexy is very relative you know everybody finds somebody sexy but also like sexuality really has a lot more to do with confidence than it has to do with your body mm-hmm. because at least for me because I follow people of, de- of various body types and the more confident yeah. they are the more attractive they look I'm not really mm-hmm. sitting over here like oh they got a belly confidence is fucking sexy yeah that's confidence like... is sexy like you mm-hmm. like the way your ass jiggles that's sexy you like the way that yeah, your thighs yeah. rub against each other that's sexy you like your thigh gap that's also sexy all of it is really just about more about like how you choose to hold yourself and how comfortable yeah. you are more than it is about you know like what your body looks like that doesn't really mm-hmm. matter as much yeah if only more people thought like we did yeah and another non-sexual experience is just like the locker room I used to manage a woman's basketball team and I remember feeling really uncomfortable being in the locker room and then for a lot of reasons I got trauma I gotta work on but like especially as a queer person in a woman's locker room one of the things about it was that like these are division one athletes in their early 20s and they would just they were so comfortable with their nudity for the most part. Majority of them were very comfortable with their nudity to the point where some of them were actually wrestling naked. And I was like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> but one of the things that <laughs> I learned from seeing them in that locker room is one, like once again, their, their nudity isn't attached to sexuality all the time. But the other yeah. thing is, is that like everybody has stretch marks. I didn't know until I was 19 mm. that like literally everybody has stretch marks. Cause when I was looking at them, these are like, athletic basketball mm-hmm. women who are like tall and you know fit muscular some of them skinny some of them thicker but at the end of the day all of them had stretch marks and I had no idea yeah. that ever, all women had stretch marks until I saw that because of the way that society especially at that time because we're getting better about it but like before yeah. you weren't seeing thick women on tv nude you weren't seeing yeah. stretch marks and like now right. we're feeling more comfortable showing them. And that made me feel a lot more comfortable because I had no idea that that was normal. I thought I was just out mm-hmm. here stretch marked up. Meanwhile, like you only hear about people getting stretch marks when they're pregnant. And I was That's never pregnant. Like, they used to call Beyonce thick, young Beyonce. And um, what's her name from Girlfriends? Which one? Um, 
Not Joan. The Joan. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Both of them were very skinny. They were yeah, they had so a booty, skinny. but they are absolutely not thick, you know. Um, so just that whole perception. Like when I look back at those photos, I'm like, they weren't even they weren't even they slightly were small like thick. They were so exactly. Skinny. So it's just such a wild how so wild how quickly shit changes. Yeah. Well, moving on. How do you reclaim your body? So I feel like I could say a lot about this. Um, But one of the things that I've been doing lately is starting to work out, which I don't like. like. I remember something saying that Virgos don't like to work out. Like we don't do it for the joy of working out. We do it because it's healthy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have not. So after we finish this episode, I'm about to go work out, even though I don't really feel like it, but I'm like, I've been feeling better. Um, I even feel like less like tension and pain when Mm -hmm. I work out. Um, And so that's been helping me because I already feel like a little bit more energy and like, that's really what gets me hooked to working out. And so much as I can ever be hooked to sweating and getting all red in the face in my bedroom. Um, And then I've been going to the chiropractor and like, I've suffered with like various like neck pain, um, upper back pain. I like hold all of my tension in my neck and I started yoga and that helped a lot years ago, but I feel like I like found a peak. And I think that peak was just that like I could only do so much by stretching. And so I finally started going to the chiropractor like a few months ago and I don't have daily neck pain. Like maybe it'll hurt a little bit, but like I used to like turn my head and it was like, I feel like I could probably crack something and hurt myself if I keep doing this. So those are some of the ways that I've just been reclaiming my body because when I feel like a better range of movement, like I just feel better. Cause like I got to the point where it's like, I feel weak and it's like, I don't like feeling weak, especially because like when I was in my twenties, I was very active. I was always in the sports. I was like working out a lot. Um, and then I stopped, like I moved part of it was just like just moving to New York and that transition, um, and I was like, you know, I'm not as strong as I used to be. And I don't like that because I know I want to know that if I have to like bust somebody in the face who run around me, then I'm going to be able to like hit them, give them a pretty good bop. And I don't feel like that right now. So I'm like, that's a part of reclaiming my body. Like there's an end game that I want to dance more. I want to fuck longer. I just want to do all of those things because those are all important to me. So that's great. What about you? Well, you know I love the gym. If I can go to the gym four to five times a week, I will be there. It makes me so happy. Um, Because it's the only time I really get to, like, just... It's the only time my brain shuts down. Because it's just too... Mm. It's. I think I, like... (laughs) I think it's, like, I'm so overstimulated by my workout that everything else has to shut down. I don't really have a choice. Yeah. Um, That's true. And it makes me feel good. Like, I love like especially leg day like I like when my muscles feel really tight um Mm. another way that I've been trying to reclaim my body outside of working out is like drinking more water um doing stretching more and I'm trying to but it's so hard for me but I'm trying to add more dancing into my life because I'll never forget that one day 
I think we were at the same party, but we were not, we weren't together. We were with different groups of people. And I twerked my ass off. Like I twerked so fucking hard to the point where the next day I threw my back out. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I wasn't able to move. Like my back was just like not having it with me. But the funny thing is, is that even though my back hurt and it hurt like hell, but like mentally and emotionally, I felt so clear because it was like mm-hmm. I had just like just sh- shook off all of the trauma in my body. And I know that dancing is a really good way of shaking off trauma, especially twerking. Mm-hmm. I think I just take it like it's hard to like do. I don't know. I'm having a hard time like getting comfortable with that again. But I do want to get mm-hmm. back to that because that is a really good way of um me reclaiming my body and also like i try to reclaim my body through sensuality like um yeah uh there's this woman you know what she'll be my shine theory but um okay so i'll like share her name later but there was a post that she had shared where she talked about uh sweep your floors in the morning what was it it was like sweep your floors in the morning feed your ancestors some incense um, call them in and call them in. And mm-hmm. I've been trying to sleep in the morning and set my incense. And that incense burning really does like do something nice to my day, as well as calling in my ancestors using a um, sound bowl like that. Mm-hmm. Like it wakes, I think it helps to wake them up. And it also helps to wake me up. Cause once I hear that frequency, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, like I'm alive. to get the day started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I've been adding aromatherapy into everything. I've been using a mm. lot of incense. I have candles by my bed. I've been using a diffuser because like I live in Arizona and it's so goddamn dry nice out dry. there. <laughs> yeah. So the diffuser has been, diffuser has been helping so that like I stay, my skin stays nice and plump and I'm not like shrinking mm. with the Arizona desert. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So those things have been really helpful for um, me reclaiming my body as well as like trying to do, do like, you know, I make body butters and mm-hmm. um, I, it, body butters for me is a very essential experience because, you know, you have to scoop it up. You're smelling it, you're rubbing it in your hands and you're rubbing it mm-hmm. on your body. And oh, I love that experience. Yeah. And I'm doing that in the mirror. So I'm always aware of what my body looks like and I'm making the effort to appreciate my body and like how my skin looks and like what my body does for me. And maybe I have a belly sometimes or maybe my, you know, I don't know, like something sagging, but I feel it feels nice to be able to like do that in the mirror and also like affirm myself like, oh, you look cute today. Like your titties look really cute today. Like I appreciate that. And I've, I'm enjoying like seeing how smooth my skin looks and being able to like appreciate it in the mirror. Like maybe there are things that I want to work on, but then I become aware of them and I'm able to work on them at the gym. Um, yeah. So it helps me to be more aligned with my body and being able to view it and appreciate it more. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you show your body love? Um, I think I'm trying to show my body love by hydrating. I'm not good at remembering Mm -hmm. it. The minute that I'm stressed, I think like for a long time, I hated using public bathrooms. So I would stop drinking water if I knew I needed to be Uh... out in public. So like I've trained myself to ignore my thirst. So I'm still Mm -hmm. working on like, um, 
making sure that I'm acknowledging my thirst. And I do make a good effort at like drinking at least two liters of water a day, but um, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to drink more water over time. And I also want to be more hyper aware of when I'm thirsty. And that's always um, been a difficult thing, especially when I'm stressed out, because that's the first thing to ignore. But I'm trying to get back into it. Um, So that's how I'm showing my body love is by trying to drink more water, being more consistent with my workouts, despite like my crazy schedule and eating lots of fruits because I do enjoy my fruits. So I'm getting back Mm -hmm. to eating my coconuts and my mangoes, my strawberries. What about you? Um, so I, I feel like bath time is a big ritual for me and something I want to lean into a little bit more because I, I used to take like spiritual baths pretty often and I always felt so good after I would do that. Um, but it, you know, it takes a little bit of time and intention and setup in order to do it the way that I normally do. And, but even in the shower, Sometimes I'll do a meditation when I'm in there imagining like the water cascading and like clearing away anything and letting that flow down the drain. Um, And then when I get out, I, you know, I love body butters and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't do it in the mirror, but I really love how you said that. Um, And for me, the focus is um, yes, like spreading the body butter or whatever on me, but also massaging myself. Like I'm really big on self-massage. Um, I am such a whore for massage. Like (laughs) when I've had partners who were like good with massaging me, I would like just stay there, stay there for the next two hours. (laughs) Um, so I try to do that for myself as much as I can. Um, cause it just feels really good and it helps. Like I've noticed like how tight my feet have gotten because I've been going out and I've been dancing or I've just been like standing for long periods of time. And I'm like, let me let me give my body some love because you deserve it today. Yes, that's so nice. I just brought some gua sha material so that I can get to mm. like massaging like my neck and like releasing tension off of my neck because it's so tight. I haven't yeah. used it yet, but I have it. <laughs> I stopped using my gua sha mostly because it's in my freezer and I forget about it. Oh. <laughs> it's like it's better if you do it cold. Um but I just, you know, once I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, I'm not necessarily thinking about it, but it, um, it does help a lot. Um, I noticed, I did notice a difference when I used it every day. I use it on my face in particular, but, um, I'm sure the neck will be awesome too. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to do both, you know, got to keep this face looking cute. Mm-hmm. Get it right. Get it tight. Yes. So shine theory, what do you got? So... I would like to share an Instagram page and a um, black queer um, dom, dominant person who I had the pleasure of meeting this past weekend at a black femme submissive brunch. And so um, this Instagram page is called at black queer dom, D-O-I-B-L-A-C-K-Q-U-E-E-R-D-O-M. And of course, we will link this um, in the body of the episode so you don't need to memorize that and so I a friend of mine shared an event that was coming up 
the brunch and I decided to go. I wasn't really sure. I didn't know what to expect, but I went and was joined by eight other Black submissives and um, the organizer of um, Black Queer Dom, whose name I won't say because I don't know if she wants it public or not. Um, So I'll just leave that a mystery. But the page is really great. And it's um, a good resource for people that are interested in submission or in um, dominance. And um, this person has a collective of, I believe, 60 doms. So that's an option if people are interested in connecting with that. And then they have periodically these brunches for submissives as a way to kind of ask questions, get them answered, and to potentially connect with doms. So if you're interested in that, check out the Instagram page. They have headed away for um, several months, so they won't be having any New York City um, localized events for a while until I guess next summer. But definitely check out the page. Um, Yeah. So what about you, Michelle? Who you got? I got Flower Child Bruja. Uh, her name is Taylor. Familiar. Yeah, she's pretty well known, honestly. So chances are you probably heard of her. But if you haven't, go check out her Instagram page and her website, which is goes by the same name, Flower Child Bruja. And she sells like these beautiful, um, these beautiful smudge sticks that has flower petals in them. Sometimes they have cinnamon in them or um, lavender. She uses a lot of flowers. She makes flower crowns. She sells a cute flower child and bruja shirts. She's the one who um, has that post where it says, rise, sweep, wake the ancestors and feed the the house some incense. And I love that because uh, I need to work on creating rituals. And that is so hard for me to do because I'm terrible at committing to having a schedule. I'm not good with schedules. I don't genuinely like them but I'm trying to like create rituals for myself because as I'm getting older I need to start creating them so that I can like make sure that I have some form of a routine like this is the day that I go grocery shopping I'm not just doing things sporadically I think that'll help me to get my life together but um Taylor is lovely I met her in person and she's absolutely lovely um her page is beautiful everything about this woman is just beautiful she doesn't really have she has just a lovely energy to her. And I think like if you yeah. go on her page, you can see that. Uh, and she's very wise and very educational and talks of, and, and like knows what she's talking about. She's also a historian. So mm-hmm. go check her out. She's a beautiful bruja. Okay, now I will de- definitely be checking out her page. All right. Well, that well, was a good talk. Yes, it was a good after, after part one that was heavy. So Exactly. We had to lighten it up a little bit, you yeah, know? Yeah. I'm not trying to have a heavy episode. I think the whole point, I mean, the whole point is to be able to, like, recognize, like, how our bodies, sometimes, unfortunately, people do cross your boundaries and do cross mm-hmm. your body, and that's not acceptable, and it can be incredibly traumatic, but we have every right to own our bodies in every way possible. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and I think that's important like you know we we held space in part one to acknowledge a lot of the real things that happen and the way our bodies are um, policed and just coveted and used or abused by people and you know it's also important to acknowledge the ways in which we can affirm ourselves and show up for ourselves because um, that's real work that we can do every single day Yes. 
Well, have a good day, good night, wherever you are. I hope you're enjoying this podcast and doing something for yourself. Good night, everyone. Bye.